Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. If you'd like to contact us, contact us at info at CheyenneVineyard.com. You can also find out more information about the Cheyenne Vineyard Church at CheyenneVineyard.com. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. Hmm. It's good to be here on a Sunday morning, isn't it? Well, uh, we have some big news. We're, we're moving, and we knew that. But we are going to do the majority of that moving next Sunday afternoon. So, uh, we've got some help coming from uh, another church from 2 to 4. And uh, Arnie and Charlie and Luke and I took the partitions out in that one room that needed to be moved, so it's ready for us to move into. And that will give us a whole week to get things organized and settled, and we'll, we'll be able to be there on the 13th. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's exciting. So, plan on uh, being here to help if you can next Sunday from 2 to 4, and uh, it it should go really quick. Uh, We'll have at least a couple trailers and the truck, and and if, if everything works out right, we can just load everything up, go over, unload, and be done. That would be great. (laughs) I think that's the only big announcement I had. So, um, what I want to do today is uh, share some insights toward... uh, a deeper prayer life or toward a more effective prayer life. Um, I've really been on a journey in, in the last year to develop a deeper prayer life. Uh, it's, it's funny how I think this is a natural human tendency that we can fool ourselves that we actually are doing something that is on our heart to do, that that we want to do, but we may not actually be doing it, and yet we think we're doing it, because in our mind we're in agreement with it, and I, I remember listening to Mike Bickle one time, and he, he was talking about this conference that was coming up, and it was it was a healing conference, and he was excited about it uh, because as as he was thinking about it, because this is something that we always do. We we just we always press in for healing. We're we're always praying for people for healing, but the more he thought about it. He, he thought, wow, we've, and he's thinking about the IHOP community, we, we've really slipped in this. We, we think we're doing this because it's been such a part of who we are, but actually we, we haven't been pressing in to this. And, and that was kind of the place where I found myself a, about a year ago, a little over a year ago, when I took the sabbatical, I, I was faced with, the reality that the prayer life that I actually had was was not what I wanted it to be. I, I wanted it to be much more. And at, at times previously, it had been much more. Uh, so as, as we, I mean, we're, we're just about to 2016. So as, as we... As we enter 2016, you know, we, we're closing out the year right now. We're, we're almost to December. Uh, 
And I, I just want to challenge us to develop a deeper prayer life in 2016 so that at the end, at this time next year, uh, we can look back and, and say, yes, I, I've gotten somewhere. <laughs> I'm, I may not be where I want to be, and that's, that's kind of where I am. I, I'm not where I want to be yet, but I'm not where I was. And, and that's good, because I'm, I'm making progress. And, and this, this is something that the Lord wants for us. And he will help us in this. And if, if there's one thing that, above all else, that I would want us to be as, as the vineyard people, it's that we would be a people of prayer. That, that we would be a people who know God. That's, that's what Jesus said is eternal life. That this is eternal life to know the one true God. And how do we know him? It's by spending time with him. And so what, what I want to share, I, I mean, let me say one more thing related to that. Uh, I think, you know, the, the worst thing that could happen to us as as people who are in the church is that something Jesus talked about in, in Matthew, uh, that even though we, we had fed the poor, we had healed the sick, we, we had prophesied that when the day comes that we stand before him, uh, that he would say, I never knew you. And if, if we're a people of prayer, that won't happen. Because we will know him and he will know us. And, and that is how it happens. And, and so, I've talked about abiding some and the necessity of abiding for fruitfulness. This, this is abiding. This is how, how we do abiding, is, is prayer. So, in, in the book of Luke, his gospel, that's where we get the most insight into Jesus' life of prayer. Uh, the other gospels have lots of the same stuff on miracles and the great things that Jesus did, raising the dead and healing the sick and uh, feeding multitudes. But in Luke, we... A few times we get some glimpses of the prayer life that sustained Jesus in the ministry that he had. And one of those that is, it always strikes me in, in Luke chapter 6, he, he's about to name the 12 apostles. And I mean... This, this is probably one of the biggest days of, of his ministry. This, this has to go right. <laughs> uh, so this is how Jesus approaches that day. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came... He called his disciples and chose from them twelve, whom he named apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, and Andrew his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Yeah, Jesus didn't make a mistake when he chose Judas Iscariot. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, we all know about the experience on the Mount of Transfiguration 
from the Gospels, but Luke gives us a little more insight into that amazing encounter experience in Luke 9, starting in verse 28. Now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. So that's how it all started. Jesus took the three disciples, the three apostles who who were his inner circle, and they went up on the mountain to pray. And that's where they had the amazing encounter with Moses and Elijah. (laughs) So it it all started with a a prayer hike. (laughs) Yeah, they went up on the mountain to pray. (laughs) So, Father, I I pray that today uh, you would give us vision for a prayer life that's beyond what we know, that may be even beyond what we have a grid for, uh, and that we would be a people who know you, who encounter you, people who love you because we know you. So Lord, do do a work. Give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of your Son for his glory. In Jesus' name. So there's there's a phrase that I have used a few times, and, and I think it's critical to where God is taking us as, as a body. And, but I haven't spent much time developing it, but it's, it's important that I develop it at least a little bit in, in the context of this message. And it, it is, it's this phrase that, that we want to be a people who, who live from the throne of God, for the throne of God, empowered by the throne of God. So, what, what does that mean? <laughs> uh, if, if we are a people who live from the throne, it, it means that we spend time before the throne of God regularly, that being a people of the presence of God is another way of, of saying this, uh, to, to position ourselves uh, with, with great um, commitment <laughs> to, to spend time before an invisible God Asking for things that we understand will be delayed, (laughs) but coming to know him and encounter him so that our, our life is lived from that place. Because with without positioning ourselves very uh, specifically uh, with great commitment of time and and schedule uh, it just it doesn't happen and a life that's lived from the presence of God is is a different kind of life And it, it is the kind of life that, that the world desperately needs. Uh, when Jesus prayed another time with his disciples, and, and then they asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. <laughs> because they, they could see that there was something 
really different about the way that Jesus prayed and, and the connection that he had with the Father compared to anybody else they, they had ever encountered in, in their lives. So they, they wanted something like that. And, and that, it's, it's a life lived from the throne that, that they were looking for. And it, it happens only with great commitment of time and energy and, and schedule. <clears throat> but when we, when we look at the life of Jesus and how he described his life in, in John 15... Starting in verse 19. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. So, one of the different things that, that I believe God is, is calling us into is that we don't just go out and do good things anymore. But if, if we're going to be a people of the throne, then we wait until we see from the throne what it is the Father is doing. Because if, if this was available to Jesus in his life, it is to be available to us. So, I don't want to birth anything else, any new program, ministry, what, whatever, unless it's coming from the throne. That little discussion is, is what it means to live from the throne and for the throne. We, we get our instruction from the throne, and so the things that we're, we're doing, and, uh, and I... You know, I have to qualify this a little bit because if if we if we set up our life so that we we're waiting on the Lord in prayer in in the morning, there there are days that that we will get insight and instruction from the Lord from the throne for that day. There, there are also a lot of days that, that we won't. <laughs> but yet our heart is different going into our day because we've been in the presence of the Lord. And, and so that also is living from the throne. And when we have those specific insights and instructions, then those those are the things that we're, we're actually doing for the throne. And many times, whether it's insight and instruction for the day that the Lord gives us, or just something that we encounter in our day, we, we have to be ready that the Lord will want us to do impossible things. He, he will want us to do things that we cannot do. And, and many times, honestly, don't want to do, <laughs> if, if we're honest. But if, if we're living from the throne, and, and an attitude of heart is developing that, that our life is, is actually being lived for the throne 
the one who is on the throne, and not just for, for me, and your life not just for you, then out of obedience, out of a heart that, that wants to please the one on the throne, we, we will enter into those impossible things. And in so doing, we will be empowered by the throne to do those things that we couldn't do on our own. So hopefully that gives you a little more insight and a little more specifics on what I'm talking about when I say we, we want to be a people who live from the throne, for the throne, empowered by the throne. It's, it's the crucified life of Jesus that I'm talking about because that, that is the life that he lived. And uh, another example, uh, a good example, and, and maybe I won't uh, get into this today, but the example of Isaiah in Isaiah 6. Be, because that, that is, it's, it's the perfect picture <laughs> of a man in, encountering the one on the throne. Maybe I will just read it because it's, it's such a perfect example. He, he encountered the throne and, and was changed <laughs> by that encounter and and it, it sent his, his life on a very different trajectory than, than it otherwise would have taken. So Isaiah 6, 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost. And I, I like another translation that says, I am undone. <laughs> for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sins atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. And I mean, that is encountering the throne and going forth from the throne. Uh, that's one of the clearest pictures that we have in Scripture. And, and I think we all should seek encounter with the one on the throne. Uh, it's it's part of our inheritance. We we are his children. <laughs> we are sons, and 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 we are loved in that capacity. But we we also are the bride, and we're we're loved in another way, in in that capacity. And, and as sons, there, there is even discipline 
And, and that sons applies to all of us just, just as bride applies to all of us. Uh, so the, the Lord shows his love for us as sons in, in his discipline even. So his love is, is complete. It's, it's always for us. It is always there. And, and I, I think this is the thing that, that has to be settled for us more than anything else. If, if we're to be a people of prayer, that the love of God for you, it's, it's unwavering, it's, it's unchanging, it is always there, it, it is always completely for you. But over the last year, I... I've come to realize that I, I have, or let me rephrase that, because <laughs> I want to put it in past tense, because I, I don't want to claim it anymore, <laughs> that I have had a tendency, and I, I think if, if you're honest, you, you will say, okay, I think I have or have had that tendency also. But I, I have had a tendency to reevaluate my belief, maybe, <laughs> my faith, maybe, in the love of God based on the circumstances that I'm encountering. Does that happen to anybody else? And, and then you have to wrestle through that, what I can only call doubt, uh, to get back on, on the firm footing of, okay, God still loves me. There's, that has not changed. <laughs> I hate these circumstances, but they don't define God's commitment to me. They don't define whether or not God loves me. So we, we have got to overcome that human tendency. And, and I, I think, you know, maybe that has something to do with the, the love that we encountered as children, as we're growing up, uh, because there's all kinds of conditional love out there. I mean, we, we all have encountered that in, in our living, in uh, our relationships with, with other human beings. And, and those, those things change. So we just naturally assume that God is like almost everybody else that we've met, that he changes too, but he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, he, he is unchanging. His love for you is, is unchanging. It is always there. Nothing can remove it from you. Uh, our weakness, our mistakes, our struggles. They... Going back to that message on the faithfulness of God, he, he knew what he was getting into when he called you. And he'd already thought it all through. And, and he knew what he was getting into when he called me. And it didn't stop him <laughs> knowing everything that we would do and not do. So just let that rest on you for a minute. Okay, he, he knew what he was getting into. Because... <laughs> 
we, we do need to let that <laughs> settle into a deep place in our heart. And he still chose you. Because he says that to every one of us. You, you, didn't, you thought you cho- chose me, but no, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Because I'm the bigger one. <laughs> and and that, that is good. So I, I want to use Scripture to convince you about the love of God. And it, it is good practice to use Scripture in our praying. Because if, if, if we want to pray for, say, an hour or a couple hours, yeah, there's, there's time that we need to spend in silence and stillness and quietness before the Lord. But there are also things that we need to say and amazingly, practically everything that we need to say to the Lord is already written in Scripture. <laughs> the Psalms, p- particularly. Uh, any situation we may find ourselves in, there, there is a Psalm that David or Asaph or one of the other writers uh, already put together that says it. And, and oftentimes taking us to a, a very positive conclusion. So use the Psalms, but, but also use some of these. So since we, the great commandment is that we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We can only love him because he loved us first. And we need God and his work in our hearts in order to love God. So if, if we want to love God more, and, and that should be a goal for us in 2016 as well, if, if we're more a person of prayer at the end of 2016 than we are now, we will love God more. It's a given. Uh, you, you can't spend more time with someone who is perfect and, and full of love and mercy and not love them more. It, <laughs> it's, it's just the way it is. So Hebrews 13, uh, 5 and 6. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So that statement from the Lord, I will never leave you nor forsake you, that Greek word that's translated leave is to dismiss or to leave or to neglect. I especially like that one. I will never dismiss you. I will never neglect you. So if if it feels like there's neglecting happening, it's probably because we haven't drawn near to receive from him. And then that word, that Greek word that's translated forsake is, can also be translated, I will never desert you. I will never leave you behind this is actually in the Greek dictionary. I, I will never leave you in the lurch. <laughs> and I will never abandon you. And, and he said that. He, he said, I will never. 
abandon, never neglect, never leave, never dismiss, never desert. Others have. Others will. He won't. So over, let's, let's all overcome characterizing God by the characteristics of fallen creation. Okay? <laughs> I'm so glad we only have one more week in this building. A bird would never, I mean, it would have to be the Holy Spirit <laughs> to find its way into the place where we're going. There's so many doors to get through. <laughs> and he doesn't even, doors, windows, doesn't even need them. Okay, so next passage, Romans 8, starting in verse 37. <clears throat> no, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who has loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, neither angels nor rulers, sometimes translated demons, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers or principalities, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the, <clears throat> the Greek word that's translated separate, this, I wish they would have used this definition instead of just separate because it is so such a picture to put space between in other words nothing in all creation can put any space between you and the love of god nothing you can't get a pry bar in there. You can't, the enemy can't. He, he can't even get a knife in between there. <laughs> you, you can't get any space <laughs> between us and the love of God. Neither angels nor demons, neither height nor depth, things present or things to come, neither death nor life. That about covers it. <laughs> nor anything in all creation. Except, is there any exception? Now here's the thing. You and I think there's an exception and it's our behavior. No exception. You and I, <laughs> even, even with our mistakes, disobedience, immaturity, even rebellion, oof, We can't put space between ourselves and the love of God. Now that doesn't mean rebellion is okay. Because there can still be consequences. Because the love of God, remember, for his sons <laughs> is shown sometimes with discipline because he disciplines those he loves, remember. But 
we can't get away from it is the thing. That's, that's pretty awesome. And now, now this one really is a prayer. Ephesians 3, starting in verse 14. And I encourage you to get this one on your prayer list. And pray it often. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he would grant us to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in our inner being, so that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith, and that we, being rooted and grounded in love, there it is. That's what we need. We need to be rooted and grounded in this love that we can't be separated from. And that we may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. That is a good prayer right there. <laughs> and I, I pray that for all of us often. And let's commit to praying it for each other often because i mean that that's if if you could only pray one prayer that would probably be a pretty good one to pick and <clears throat> you know i i always kind of wondered about verse uh, 18 that we would have strength to comprehend that which surpasses knowledge because <laughs> some translations say, and, and to know <laughs> with all the saints what surpasses knowledge. So I, I had to look up that word and say, what, what does that really mean? The, the Greek word that's translated comprehend. I think maybe a better translation would be to lay hold of that love that surpasses knowledge. To seize <laughs> is another word that could have been used. To attain. But I, I really like seize and lay hold of. Because that, that's, what, that's what we need. Is, is to lay hold of this thing that's beyond knowledge. And it's, it's okay. Because we, in our spirit, we can seize, we, we can grab a hold of, lay hold of something that our mind can't get itself around. And I think that's part of what we're praying when we pray this prayer. that our spirit would be able to get this thing that is too much for our mind to, to even get around. And that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. Hmm. Are you feeling a little more grounded <laughs> in the love of God? Maybe a good place is, is to almost feel trapped by it. Because you, you can't get away from it. <laughs> you, you may try. 
sometimes even on purpose. But you can't get away from it. It's, it's always there, right? <laughs> right all around you. <laughs> Maybe this is a better way than, than this. But yeah, you, you can't get anything between you and the love of God. That's, that's amazing stuff. So a couple more insights on, on prayer that, that I, I think uh, spur us on toward praying more and asking God for more. Because there, there are gifts that the Lord would give that he withholds except from those who seek and ask and knock. And, and there's, remember there's uh, one of the parables, the, the intro to the parable is, and, and Jesus told this parable so that we would know to always pray and never give up. And it's it's the one with where we ask the the friend who's already in bed for food for our surprise guests who came, and you you just keep pounding on the guy's door because he he's not going to give you the the food because he's your friend, but he's he's going to give it to you because you just won't go away, <laughs> and. And that's what the Lord is encouraging of us in, in that parable. <laughs> to, that we're going to keep asking, we're going to keep knocking, and we're not going to go away. We're not going to give up and, until we see what it is that we're asking for. I, I want to pray like that more. I think I'm praying like that more than I, definitely more than I used to, maybe more than I ever have. But here's, here's a passage that, that also talks about us not having because we don't ask from James chapter 4. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this? that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says... God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched, and mourn, and weep, and let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. So if, if we really become a people of prayer over this next year, we will experience everything in that passage. Be, because we will find, as, as the Lord reveals our hearts, that that everything 
in this passage, the good and the bad, are in every one of us. And so we, we come to the Lord as, as a people who are in need. And he's good with that. <laughs> That's how he wants us to come. Lord, we, we need you. You've you got to create in me a clean heart because I, I know a lot of this stuff is, is in there. And, and you've you got to change me <laughs> because that's your job. <laughs> we can't change ourselves. We, we can change the appearance on the exterior, but that's, that's about as good as we can do. And the rest is his. So we, we draw near to God and then he promises to draw near to us. And that's a great promise. And, and part of, you know, the first part of that passage was, was dealing with not living for the throne but living for ourselves instead. And, and that's not the life that we were called to. But that creates all, all kinds of issues that James talks about. So, <clears throat> anyway, I won't say more about that. There, the other issue, I guess, is Quieting our, our soul. And, and this, this is hard in, in our culture because we, we have just so many things that, that can take our mind, <laughs> our thoughts away from this thing called prayer that that we're wanting to enter into. And there, there is progress to be made in quieting our soul. It, it doesn't happen immediately. But there's, there are also some tools that you can use to, to help to quiet your mind. Uh, if, and, and it's to have a, have a notebook where you can write down prayers that really seem to be touching the heart of God. Because you, you want to use those again. <laughs> but then as, as your mind hits something that, oh yeah, I really got to take care of that today. If you'll just have a little space maybe at the bottom of the page where you can write down those things. Your, your mind will be able to let it go. Okay, that's taken care of. I, <laughs> I'm going to get back to that later. And it, it goes. <laughs> and there, there may be two or three other things that come to replace it that you also have to write down. But your, your mind can, can focus back on prayer and the Lord once it is satisfied that you're going to take care of those things. <laughs> it, it may sound kind of funny, but it actually works. So, Psalm 46.10 is, is a key verse related to stillness and silence and quieting our soul before the Lord. It's just be still and know that I am God. And I will be exalted among all the nations. And I will be exalted in the earth. So it's like God is saying, you know, all, all the little things that you're worried about, <laughs> don't, don't worry. <laughs> I got the big picture well in hand. <laughs> I am God. <laughs> it's going to end well. <laughs> so don't worry <laughs> and then Hebrews 
4 talks about us resting from our own labors. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So there's, there's a quieting of our soul that needs to happen in prayer. There's also a washing with the water of the word so that our soul and spirit can be separated by the word of God. Which, which is why, to me, it's, it's hard to um, draw a distinction between prayer and worship and being in the word. Because they're all just kind of together in in this thing of, of seeking the Lord. Sometimes worship is helpful at quieting the soul so that we can be in quietness and stillness before the Lord. Some, sometimes we need the word to to give us something to occupy our mind and even give us prayers to pray as as we approach the Lord. So that's why every day is a new encounter. Every every day, every time we approach the Lord, it's a new opportunity for experiencing something from Him, encountering Him. Um, I'll, I'll close with Hebrews 10. The confidence that we have in coming to the Lord. So, the thing is, Come to the Lord with confidence, but expect delays in answers. <laughs> Come to the Lord in confidence. Expect that for the really good stuff, continued asking, seeking, and knocking may be required. So we don't give up. <laughs> when we don't have the Isaiah encounter after a few weeks. <laughs> keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking. So Hebrews 10 starting in 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest or a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast 
the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching or drawing near. So we come with confidence. We come in faith that, that we have access by the blood of Jesus and that the veil has been torn. And that thing about coming in faith is, is important. That we, we don't come before the eternal God lightly. But we know that when we come before him, that by the blood of Jesus we have access. And, and so I, I pray that as, as we seek to go deeper in prayer, that, that we will have encounters with the Lord. That our hearts will become aligned more fully with His. That, that we will come to know and desire the things that He wants on the earth. And, and that we will enter into our responsibility to, to see heaven come to earth. Because that, that really is part of the model prayer that Jesus gave. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's like a blank check. <laughs> because in, in heaven, only God's will is done. And, and his, his kingdom is, is fully expressed. So how far can we take this thing? on the earth in, in the 21st century before the millennial kingdom. Farther than we have, I'm, I'm confident. Yeah, I, I want to see a, a kingdom people rise up not being limited by what we've known but understanding that we have an unlimited God whose, whose love is beyond question. That is always surrounding us everywhere in the midst of whatever. <laughs> we don't have to reevaluate it ever <laughs> because it's unchanging just like God. So, if you don't have a structured prayer time, I encourage you to schedule it. If, if you don't have a particular place where you pray, find one and dedicate it and ask the Lord to meet you there. Uh, we we got to get be beyond uh, Adam and Eve's response to their sin, which was hiding from God. And instead, the right response would have been to run to God and grab his leg and receive his love and, and be cleansed. So remember, even 
our sin. Can't get in between us and God's love. <laughs> it can't separate us. <laughs> okay. Father, thank you for the invitation to know you. May we take our commitment, our practice up a notch in the days ahead. Lord, I, I pray that we as a people would encounter you individually and that we would encounter you corporately more. That you would teach us what it looks like individually and corporately to live from the throne, for the throne, and being empowered by the throne so that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in Cheyenne as it is in heaven. So Lord, show us the things that are on your heart for us to step into as a body. Show us the works of the enemy that you have planned for us to destroy. Show us the, the people that, that you would have us go after with love and ministry. And Lord, I, I ask that you would give us hunger to know you more, to encounter you personally. So that we would go from glory to glory. For your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>